Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Kevin Kaufman, your host of the Kevin and Fred Next Level Podcast, the podcast where we bring you weekly business tips and tricks, as well as in-depth interviews with leading minds in real estate and entrepreneurship to help you take your business to the next level. Ronnie Doss, how are you doing today, buddy? Hey, Kevin. What's up, man? Doing good, man. Well, hey, listen, Ronnie, I am so excited for this talk today here on the Kevin and Fred's Next Level podcast. You were recently the keynote featured speaker at the uh, Next Level Agents live event that we did in Las Vegas recently. And uh, I thought it'd be cool to kind of follow up with, a, with an interview and just kind of, because I know so many stories about you, buddy. I've known you for so long. I thought this would be a really cool uh, episode to record. Yeah, cool, man. And, and that event, by the way, was phenomenal. So great job for you guys putting on that is not an easy deal. You guys did it. It was so much fun. Uh, grateful to be a part. So uh, I loved it, man. Congrats on pulling that off. Thank you. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. And uh, it wouldn't have been what it was without, without your help and, and your participation. Um, so Ronnie, you and I got to know each other. Fred and I got to know you years ago when you worked at a company called Clemmer and Associates. Uh, we put on an event together, actually. Funny enough, that was the thing that brought us together originally in person. And uh, so I, I thought it'd be cool, like, okay, great. So we all know now Ronnie's a speaker, you've written books, and, and you've gone out and done a lot of talks. And I, I certainly talked about some of that in the introduction, but I want to go backwards a little bit if we could. Like, what? tell me, how did Ronnie Doss get started in business? And then how did that end up leading to speaking? Um, all right, so really quick. I went to college, junior year, got sick. I was a pre-med guy. I was going on to medical school. I, my brother-in-law, my stepfather. I wanted to do medicine. I wanted to be a physician. I got sick going into my junior year, took a medical withdrawal for a year and didn't go back. And so when I took the year off, I, I moved to Atlanta from North Carolina and uh, I started in business then, got into real estate and had a close friend that had a, a mortgage brokerage and real estate brokerage. And so we started working together and I got into that world and loved it. And in 2006, so now 12, 13 years ago, uh, Kevin, on January 2nd, I was out with a friend of mine. We were playing basketball, and I went to North Carolina State University. My roommate played basketball at North Carolina State University. He's the assistant coach now at uh, University of Florida, basketball player, right? And uh, anyway, so basketball has always been a thing. And so I was on the court uh, at this gym in Atlanta, and a friend of mine threw me an alley-oop. I jumped up to grab it from behind my head to, to dunk the ball. And uh, I, my leg swung out from under me, and I did this nose dive onto this concrete slab that uh, was the, the court that we were kind of playing on, and uh, crushed both both my wrists. And so both my wrists have plates in them up to here. Uh, knocked me out, um, came to, and next day went into surgery, and uh, was in surgery for like nine hours. It was a long day of them. I mean, I busted them up bad. And so my stepdad came down from North Carolina to Atlanta to be with me during the surgery. After surgery was over, he drove back to North Carolina to see his patients. And on the way home, so like a four-hour drive from Atlanta to where they lived in North Carolina, he, he started coughing really bad. And when he got to the hospital, they, they basically checked him in. He wound up getting put on life support, and then he passed away very suddenly. So he went from healthy to gone, and then I'm coming out of surgery like with these casts on my hands. And... My mom asked me to speak at his funeral, and I did, and he had had such an impact in his community there in North Carolina that there were people just wrecked 
Kevin at the funeral. I mean, there were people that were just like, he was the greatest and he was an amazing physician. He was a great doctor, but he loved people, man. And people loved him and he was terrific. And so when I looked out there and was speaking, I saw the impact that he had made. And I just heard this voice saying, Hey, I want this to be part of what you do. And you know, I'm speaking at his funeral with casts on my arms, but like, like, you know, and I'm looking at all these people and that was where I made the shift. I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And I had no idea how I would do it. I'd been doing real estate at that point for uh, many years. And it was at a funeral speaking for my stepdad where I got the kind of the shift to make speaking a part of what you do. And uh, at the time we attended a really big church in Atlanta, uh, sent an email to the pastor, said, hey, uh, nearly broke my hands off. My stepfather's passed away very suddenly. Um, we may move back to North Carolina. And uh, he emailed me back, huge church, 10,000 people on Sunday church, right? Like that mega church. And he emailed me and said, hey, come say hello. And uh, I went and met him after one of the services, got in the line to meet him and he invited me to lunch. And he was a big leadership guy. And uh, he asked me lots of questions, lots of questions. Well, then he let me speak at the church there. And there was a guy who was there that knew Mr. Clemmer. And so that's how our connection happened. The guy was there, happened to be in town that one night, saw me speak there that, that time and said, you should go to this leadership seminar. The guy's name is Mr. Clemmer. And I was like, eh, you know, whatever, wound up going. And then Mr. Clemmer heard about me after the weekend training and flew me to San Francisco and hired me. So how it went down was I broke my hands off, stepdad died, decided I wanted to speak and make that part of my career. Um, got invited to speak at a church once and there was a guy there that happened to see me that introduced me to the guy that mentored me that was the connection for you and I to meet that sent me within a couple of years to a few different countries to do leadership talks. So I went from nothing to now all of a sudden I'm speaking a lot. And that's kind of how that happened, man. So it was an accident. I had to make a commitment of, of making it part of my career and I did and that's been now 12 years and I've been doing it full time and it's led to a lot of amazing things like great relationships with guys like you so it's awesome dude that is uh that is cool uh I mean what a what a weird way how how life works how something so tragic um ends up being the thing that changes the course of our life right um and in your case not only reveals to you what you're here to do and what what you really get a charge out of, but then puts you in in line with somebody like like Brian Clemmer of all people, right? Um, <laughs> and and I'm sure some of the listeners have heard Brian Clemmer. Uh, if anybody's listened to myself or Fred talk over the years, we've certainly, you know, we've had him on our video podcast back in the day. We've quoted Brian so many times, paid tribute to him when he passed away. And, you know, because he meant so much in our life personally, and I mean, so what a, just a, what a crazy turn of events. So tell me, so 12 years or so now you've been speaking full time like this, this is it. So like you don't still sell real estate or do loans or anything. Like you talk for a living. That's it. So I gave the, and it might sound, and, and I know on some levels it does. I just didn't give myself a plan B. That was it. And I think that after meeting Mr. Clemmer and working with him for as long as I did. And then him dying very suddenly as well. Same age as my stepfather who passed away. Uh, I felt like Kevin, I owed it to him and uh, the deposits that he had made into my mind and my heart, helping me to be a better leader, father, friend, all those things. 
I felt like I, I owed a bit of responsibility to him for that because, you know, he sent me everywhere, you know, and he believed in me. And when he would go to cool places, he'd go to the Pentagon, he'd take me with him. He'd get to go to somewhere cool. We, you know, he'd go with me and he'd talk to me and um, encourage me. And so, uh, yeah, like I, I felt like I owed that to, you know, when, after he passed away, it was like, you know, there's a difference to be made. This is how I'm going to do it. And we're going to make it happen. And fortunately my wife, Jen, who's incredible, amazing, has stood by me the whole time. And the times when it was tough, she was there. And the times when it's not been so tough and it's been wonderful and doors have opened on, on higher levels to go to incredible places. She's there, but she's constant and she's, grounded and she's there's no drama and encouraging and loving and that's how we did it but we just didn't give ourselves a plan b now that doesn't mean i don't use the revenue that we've generated now and are generating to invest in other things and do things but i didn't give myself a, a plan b i didn't trust that for me i said either i'm going to do this and make this work or i'm not and i went all in and it worked that's awesome would you um and I don't recommend that, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. Hey, so. listen, you're talking to a guy that when he got into real estate was uh, basically quit his, I quit my job, had all of $10,000 saved up because when you're in your 20s, you think that's so much money. And yeah. I was six, six months away from getting married and I just quit my job. And so I know I get deep end and I respect deep end. Uh, because it's hard and a lot like you, I, I know for me, that's the way I got to do it. Um, it. I don't know another way personally. So yeah. let me ask you this real quick, Ronnie, you told the story last week about the last time you talked to, to Brian, uh, mm -hmm. your last interaction with him. Would you, would you share that? Yeah. So we had done an all day training in Petaluma, California. And at the end of the day, you know anything about how Mr. Clemmer rolls and I roll now it's like long days sometimes and you go after the guys that I mentor they come into town I spend you know eight at ten hours with them in the day a room full of people and he'd had a room full of us together and at the end of the day it's probably you know 10 o'clock at night pacific time I'm living on the east coast and it was I was tired and anyway walked back to the room and got ready to put the room key in and I heard what I would say is you know, God speak to me and um, say, hey, go back and acknowledge him. And I, I hesitated because it was late and I was tired, but it, it was very clear that I needed to do that. And so I walked all the way back down the hallway and I called him as he was uh, at, in the lobby area there where we were um, doing the event. And I just told him, I said, hey, Mr. Clemmer, and uh, just told him how much I cared about him. I said, you know, you've made a huge impact in my life. Just want to know I love you very much. And he, you know, put his head down, rubbed his forehead, because that's what he does, or he did, probably still does. He's probably watching right now, rubbing his forehead. And, uh, you know, and he spoke back some very affirming words and, and things that he had said to me in, in private traveling together. He, you know, he would say, you know, Ronnie, you, you have smoke that I don't have. He'd say, you got juice that I don't have. And he told me, he said, you'll go further uh, than I've gone. And, you know, he meant that. And it's hard to kind of, I say believe, and I don't know as far as going further, but he had made a huge impact in people's lives. And so I took that as, you know, he, you know, he believes in me. And I knew he did. He, he you know, we'd have 
some great conversations. And so that was it. And um, I went back to the room, got on a plane and went somewhere else from there, I'm sure. And then not long after that, he was on the phone. And, uh, that's when he had the heart attack and fell over in his office. And so the last time I saw him was I was saying to him that how much I, I cared about him and appreciate him. And that sounds honestly like something you'd hear in a storybook, like, oh, wow. But losing my stepdad prior to that, um, some, something that had happened suddenly on some level, like I think I knew, like you make sure you acknowledge the people that have done something for you and make sure that they know. And I, from losing my stepdad, I decided to be that way more and more, but I happened to do it with Mr. Clemmer the last time I saw him and I'm unbelievably grateful that I did, but that's how it went down. And, um, you know, it was, it was horrible. Losing him was, was horrible. And I think there's some grieving that goes on at times that took longer than I maybe would have realized because I just jumped back in and said, I'm going to make this happen and pushed. And sometimes to slow down and go, Oh, you, you lost a huge part of your life. You know, that was, it was hard, but I still hear his voice all the time barking in my ear as I'm sure many people do. Um, but when I go into big events, uh, did American express last week, I, I, you know, I can hear his voice saying something about the event, helping me to get grounded and focused. And that's what he was. So maybe I'll be that to people someday. Uh, but he sure was that to me. So, yeah. And I, and I know he was to, to many people. Um, there's no doubt about it. I, I just, I love that story because you, you took the time to acknowledge it. Uh, it turned out that it was the last time that you had the chance to do that in person and, um, and speak words to him. And so I know the impact it's had on you personally, because man, becoming friends with you and watching your career over the last decade, as you really, I mean, like, dude, you've really fine. I think you know this. You like, you've really become a phenomenal speaker and trainer in front of the room, one-on-one. -on -one. It doesn't matter what kind of environment you get into. You are able to command the room and be totally present with people and deliver the message that people need to hear in the moment, right? And I, I thought that was something that Mr. Clemmer had the ability to do as well, like, like almost no other. So I really, I really appreciate about that, appreciate that about you because while um, I get to be your friend, I also get to go sit and take notes. And I've got my all my notes from the couple sessions you did for us last week, the private mastermind, you know, for our team as well as the the big event. And I've got all my notes from that. And so every time I hear you talk, I hear something new, and I, I just I appreciate it so much. And I love the journey that that you've been on. Um, and it's taken you some really cool places like, you know, like to NASA. I mean, I see, I see right behind you there. I see that shuttle. Uh, and I don't know if you actually fit in that one or not, but, uh, I mean, your, your journeys have taken you to NASA and it led to this lion program, which led to books and audio series. I mean, tell us about that, dude. Like how did, how does somebody get into NASA? Um, I think that you said something that, that Mr. Clemmer did well uh, is he was present with people there and there were people that loved him and there were people that were like, ah, oh, I can't, it's too much. You know, he was a bulldog on a pork chop. Right. And he used to tell me, he's like, you know, the thing you got is you got this Southern accent, sweet, you know, guy, you're so nice. He said, and he goes, that's a weapon because he said, I don't have that, you know, and he'd come in just pounding on, you know, and, and get people sideways. And, and so I just said, all right, I'll try and use all the fundamental stuff that I got from him 
and then make sure that I'm making it my own and making sure that I'm being who I am. And I love to laugh. I love to have a good time, as you know. I mean, that's, that's my, my thing. And, and so part of it is not taking it too, too seriously. Like I took my career very serious and I took transformation very serious. And I take, I take things, you know, commitment and, and relationship and parenting and, and, and making an impact. Like I take those things very seriously. And I also am willing to laugh at things sometimes that I think some people will take, you know, a little too serious. And so I think for me, the, the, the secret or what's helped me is to take the fundamental leadership principles and make sure I owned them and make sure I refined them in a way that was in integrity for me. And for me meant, you know, get in somebody's face and be honest, but at the same time, know that they may not grasp it or they may grasp it at the point that they're at, Kevin. I mean, they, they may only get it to the point of their exposure to that time. And so it's like, you know, nourish, uh, nudge, nourish, encourage, uh, but don't judge people too much, you know, because uh, I think sometimes we judge people so harshly, we wind up judging ourselves very harshly and it can shut us down. And so I took these principles and said, hey, I'm going to operate it with as much kindness and grace as I can, have as much fun with it as I can, but I'm still going to teach these fundamental principles and wrap it with a lot of passion because I'm passionate about people. And that's the feedback. You know, the feedback from some of these huge organizations now are that your delivery, the, the wing commander for the Air Force, United States Air Force, at, uh, a base that I just spoke at, she said, your content's unbelievable. Your delivery is unbelievable, but your passion mixed into it makes you, she said, I think you're the best communicator I've ever heard in my life. And she sat through all my sessions. And I don't think that that's because I was born with it or that it's a per se natural thing. I think it was just taking something and becoming really excited about it. And we call it owning the stone. And like you take the block of marble and you chip away at it and you, you pound away and you chip and you, you polish a little bit. And then one day you look up and you're like, man, this looks pretty cool. And that's how it went down. And that's how our, our company and my career has flourished. But it took work, as you know, just like with anything else. And I feel very fortunate to be able to go to these places and see the stuff that I've seen and get exposed to some of the people that I've now been exposed to. And I'm unbelievably grateful for it. And I know that um, there's a responsibility that comes with the gifting that you've been given. And I think the gifts that I was given were these fundamental principles of mindset and personal development. And um, I took those, those parts of it serious, you know, and it turned into some really cool things, man. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it, it would, I want to make sure we hit home on this because this isn't just like, yeah, Ronnie's gift. He was born with this gift because Number one, I've seen you. Like, I remember, uh, you were good, man. Don't get me wrong. When you came out and you did that Champions in 2009, you were good, okay? You did a pretty good job that night. But I'll never forget, it was 2015, you flew out to Phoenix because you enjoy our weather in the summer. It's nice and warm, a little toasty, right? And you came out here and you did, a, you, you did something for our team. And I, was, I remember looking at Fred and Fred looking at me and we're going, how long has it been since we heard Ronnie speak? Like he's like, he's definitely gone up a notch. And every time now I, I hear you speak at minimum once or twice a year at this point. Um, and you constantly get better. You told a story one time about 
like you, you would practice with like stuffed animals. <laughs> I mean, that, like, tell me about like why, like that's, that's commitment. I just, I want to make sure we drive home to the point because I feel like as realtors uh, or just business people in general, we think like, hey, we're going to get by on this, on our natural charm and the stuff that we know. And because I'm a good salesperson and maybe I'm good at relationships or in your case, maybe because you're good at communicating, but like, that's not enough you had to go through some stuff and you had to get better. And I specifically remember you talking about those stuffed animals. Yeah, that was just part of it. So yes, putting stuffed animals on the sofa and having a dialogue with them to learn an idea or a concept and ask questions and, and almost role play in that they would talk back and help, you know, like I would do that during the day. Uh, if, if, you know, I wasn't going to sit around and waste time. And so I knew that learning that I, it's almost like that, that our language is too important. And I think sometimes we get lazy with it. And I think when you get lazy, you get casual, casualness, the old saying casualness breeds casualties, right? So I knew that if I was casual with this languaging thing and the words that I would use to hopefully move someone forward, that I'd lose some impact. And so I wanted to practice it. And there's a lot of different people that would talk about different quotes on practice. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes better. Uh, I think it was John Wooden said, practice doesn't make perfect, but perfect practice does. Uh, you know, there's all these different ways of looking at it. And I, I understood that if I wanted to get better, I would have to be in front of the room. And I, the downtimes between events when I was home, which in the beginning, there was a lot of that. I, I utilized that time well. And I think that when I tell that story, I can think back to it and go, wow, you know, I was absolutely committed in the beginning, not perfect. Cause there's days where you're like, yeah, I'm committed and I'm in. And there's days that you may not feel like you're as in, but still you got to give yourself a little, you know, grace and understanding, but then jump right back into it. And I was frequently jumping into creating scenarios of teaching ideas with a paper flip chart in front of the room front of a room with nobody in it, you know, a bedroom in my house, like put it up and, and jump in front of the easel and, and share stuff. And I would hear it and I would go back and try to get it, make it better. And that was the practice of it. And now people see it and they appreciate it. And I think sometimes people want the platform and they want the opportunity and they want, you know, to close the deals and they want to have things happen, but they maybe haven't done the work behind the scenes. And for me, I, I know I did the work then and I still do the work now. And I, because I feel like at any time, hey, things can shift. Momentum is a very powerful thing. And when you have it, you know, they say there's nothing worse than, than not getting an opportunity other than getting an opportunity that you aren't prepared for. <laughs> and I refuse to go to an event and speak and not be prepared mentally, emotionally, and, and because I never wanted to walk away and not get invited back. And these places that we get to go, I don't care about getting invited the first time. I want to get invited back. You know, even maybe the second time you get invited back, maybe they're like, well, he screwed it up the first time. We're going to let him try and redeem himself the second time. You know, so we, you know, maybe that's why they invite you back. But, you know, Kev, we got people that have been inviting us back now for years that I speak at every conference, every event they do. And I think it's because of doing the work, doing the practice, you know, staying in it. And I think that, you know, this equates to real estate. It equates to any business that you've got to do the work that other people aren't willing to do. And in a world where there's so much noise, like there is so much noise, like so much, there's so many voices and so many people 
that like it's it's just, the old saying it take what is eighty percent of success is just showing up. Well, a lot of people like exploit that and think that they're just going to show up and then the success is going to happen. Well, success might happen, but on a mediocre kind of a level, if you're just showing up. And so showing up is like, okay, I'm here. Great. And, and you weed yourself out just by showing up. But when you say, I'm going to show up and be prepared and I'm going to know more than the other guy and I'm going to be sharper than the other guy or, or the other gal or the other person, whatever, like I'm going to, I'm going to do it better. And over time, if you shine the apple a little bit better, you have a product or service that stands out. And I think in a world where there's so much noise, like you got to do some things fundamentally better to stand out. And most people just won't do that. And so then they complain and it's the same. Don't complain about the results that you get from the commitment you weren't willing to make. But I think everybody's committed. I just think a lot of people are committed to a mediocre you know, approach to things because they're not doing the work behind the scenes. And that to me is, I think that's what makes people better in any craft, in any business, in any venture is the work. You know, the platform, I heard the platform doesn't make you, it exposes you and it will expose you. And I've been in rooms before, Kevin, where you, I couldn't say, I've had to sign things, waivers saying, I will not say God, I will not talk about religion. I will not say these things because if you do, you aren't coming back. You aren't getting paid. You aren't doing these things. And I'm like, okay, I got to make sure I'm not going to any default conversation here. I've got to prepare all the way. And I'm a big faith guy. I believe in, in, in the big picture, but uh, it was the work always behind the scenes. And I still do the work behind the scenes. I'm up early. Uh, I get up before the distractions do. I put in the time, I get quiet, I read, I write. I'm still a big note taker writer. I write notes. I got an, a, a, a pad. Look, man, I got a pad sitting next to me from just stuff. And this is what I do. And I think that's been the reason I've had success. And I think everybody's got to play like that or else you're not really going to succeed. Why do you think that most... I'm sorry, I went on a rant there. You, you, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no, trust me, that's okay. Uh, what, you, you just sparked something for me though, Ronnie. Like, why do you think most people don't? Like, I get people want the platform and they want the results from the work that they didn't commit to, as you said. Um, but why, what is it that, that you believe stops people from doing that work, putting in the work, being prepared, being the best that they can possibly be? Um, their narrative their internal conversation. Like everybody's got some story, man. Like everybody's been from somewhere. Somebody's had some experience. People have left your life. People have lost money. People have had bad relationships. People have, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. And people create this narrative inside where they're always pulling from this past story of who they were and how it looked and what it meant and how all that happened, and they create this internal dialogue of a narrative of who they are, and or we are. Let me let me say like I'm I'm not superior. We can do this, but I had to realize for me that that story that I make up at any moment, even right now, like somebody listening to this is going to make up an interpretation and a story of what this this video or what it means to them 
we're always creating these narratives and these stories in our mind. And I think what shuts people off is they create some narrative about themselves that is just, it's not true. And it gives them permission. And then they have reasons. And we love reasons, Kevin. Like you can sit in traffic, show up late for your work or meeting. And the whole time you're in traffic, you're making up these reasons as to, oh my God, this is why I'm late. And by the time you get there, you start telling these people why you're late. You believe your own reasons. And so you make up these reasons. So you do it throughout your life. And it's what I think people's biggest problem is, is they talk to themselves in a way that's just not true. And maybe none of it's true. But if you're the one creating the narrative, I think the most important thing is get up today and start creating a narrative that serves you in getting out there and doing it differently or better than you've done it before. What shuts people down is their narrative, their story, their interpretations. And it's like you create a meaning based on some pre-programmed thing that you already have going. And what you wind up doing in your life is just defending this programming or this narrative that you created and you make yourself right. And people are like, well, I, I don't know that I can really do this. So I'm not going to do it. And that's what locks them down. And when I told you I didn't give myself a plan B, it's because I knew if I gave myself plan B, I would give myself permission to default to the lowest denominator of, of comfort, so to speak. And I take the path of least resistance because that, that's what many of us do. And I just wasn't going to give myself permission to do that. And so if I woke up in the morning and, and I, the narrative or the, what I was saying about myself is you came from a small town, you didn't have enough, nobody supported you, there's not enough resources out there, nobody's going to believe what you're saying, nobody, whatever, I, I would go, shut up, man. Like I just stopped myself and go, what are we going to say today? Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to create? That's a shift. And you step into that place, man, you do it over time. What happens is you build some momentum and the momentum can carry you through things that shut most people down. And when you decide, you know what, I'm getting to this next level and you hold yourself accountable to the next level. Then what happens is you start seeing stuff that's out there, resources and people and things that you didn't see before because you didn't hold yourself accountable to it. And you, you become almost blind to it because the blindness gives you permission to not have to take any action. The blindness gives you permission to just kind of chill out. And many people do that. And I, anyway, I, I don't, anyway, a lot of people, I don't know how long we're going on this, but I'll just tell you anybody that's stuck, it's because on some level they've decided to be stuck and then they have a, a, a internal conversation that rationalizes and justifies the stuckness. And at the end of the day, all they get is being right about why they're stuck, how they're stuck, and it's all just a story. And that's the thing that I think when somebody takes full ownership of their narrative, they become empowered again. And it's not la la positive, you know, pie in the sky, oh, it's always gonna be good. Cause life sucks sometimes, it's hard. You get kicked in the face, it happens, and in all of that, if you keep your narrative right and stay at it, you get refined and you get sharpened and then an opportunity comes and you crush it and then another one comes and you crush it and then you start totally believing something different about yourself and then you walk into a room, into a meeting and you have a confidence that you didn't have before because you've done the work and confidence comes from consistency and I'm gonna be consistent. Because if my narrative starts taking me away from consistency, 
I'm calling it for what it is, just a story. And we're going to create another one because I'm creating the stories anyway. There you go, man. I love it. That was nice and concise. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things I love about you is your ability to really be teaching in the moment, see a really great opportunity to drop an amazing sharp joke and then go right back to the content and into the moment. Like it's, it's something I really genuinely appreciate. It's an art and I appreciate it. Um, I just want to let you know that. Um, so, okay. But so my real question though is, okay, let I'm listening to this. Okay. Someone's listening right now and they went, well, shit, maybe that is me. Maybe I'm telling myself the wrong story, but I don't know what to do. Like, how do I, how do I even verify that I'm telling myself the wrong story? And that's why I'm stuck. Like, what do I do? Like, what's my first step if I just now realize, oh, maybe I am the one holding me back? Yeah, it, I heard this wonderful quote pertaining to this, your story, is maybe you stop living your life trying to be right and you just become okay with being less wrong. Let that one settle for a second. Because that one is pretty profound in that most of what you do throughout the day, most of what we do, is we're defending and reinforcing a belief, whatever the belief is. And so instead of saying, yeah, I got to be right about whatever my belief is, obviously the ones we're talking about are the ones that don't serve us because those are the things that people get stuck on, is instead of going, well, I got to be right about this to go, okay, maybe it's okay for me to just be less wrong and to realize that maybe I've been wrong about all of it. Maybe all of it is just this story I've made up. And the made up story is like, since all of it could be wrong, then what would be the kind of story that I would want to create that's going to support me, move me forward, make me better for the people that I am called to serve, support, and, and be on the journey with? Then you pick the story. Because otherwise, all you're doing at the end of the day is like pounding your chest going, look how right I am about all that I know about me with my limited perspectives. And, you know what I mean? And it's like, look how... And it's just garbage, dude. So it's like, if somebody's listening to this going, well, what, what is this? What do we stand for then? Like, if we don't know what to believe about ourselves, then you figure out what values you choose to stand for that serve you and feeling your best and stand in those values as consistently and as often as you possibly can. And any story you make up that pulls you off of those then, and at that point you go, nope, not buying that story. This is going to be the story for the day and you practice that dialogue with you, then you start adopting a, a better version of you and a newer version of you emerges out of the old dialogue that you used to have about you. Like when you used to have, let me give you your teaching moment here, Kev, $10,000 at your age of however you were was a lot of money. And it was to you then, was it not? Oh yeah, yeah, no, it was it. And you believed it. And you would argue for it and be like, yep, $10,000. Look at what I could do with $10,000. I could buy <laughs> I could buy this and some flip-flops and some stuff and, and it would be cool. And I'd get rhinestones on my flip-flops and it would be awesome. Fred and I would be great friends, whatever. Like when you decide something, you give yourself permission to keep talking and, and, and on that level. And when you start believing something can't happen for you, right, you stop looking for the resources that could support that happening for you. 
And then at the end of the day, you just wind up being right about whatever you thought back then. And you're going to make yourself right about something. So somebody asked and listen to this, well, what should I be right about? You decide for you what you want to be right about that's going to move you forward. And then fight every day to defend that belief versus the belief that's very limiting in that you don't have it or nobody's going to value you or nobody really respects you or that you don't have enough uh, information or knowledge or whatever. Like stop buying that and then start doing the work to make this newer version of you true. And it's like, here's the idea. Unattached from the old story, elevate your thinking and then adapt your life. Unattached from the dialogue when it sucked and there wasn't enough money and there wasn't, you know what I mean? Like it's a story, unattached from it. Elevate your thinking to what it could be, what's possible, and then adapt your day-to-day -day routine. The devil, you know, in, in real estate, we always say the devil's in the details, in the contract. You know, they say that the devil's in the details. The devil is not in the details. Success is in the details. And that's the details of your daily routine. And so if I notice there's a conversation I'm having with me that doesn't support me in having a strong routine that's going to lead me tomorrow to where I want to go, then I shift that and I shift it quickly. And as you learn to practice that, you get better at it. And the next thing you know, you have like almost a new beingness about you. And that's what I feel I know I have now. And when the phone rings and people ask me if I can come talk to their team, where in the beginning it was like, uh, I don't know, do I have what it takes? Now I'm asking them questions to see what they're about and how committed they are to moving the organization forward. Cause that's what I want to know. So now it's shifted where it used to be. I don't know. Now it's like, Oh yeah, I know I've done trainings for awesome companies and crushed it and felt good walking off that. And I use those memories to help me be stronger. You know what I mean? Like I use those versus using the stuff that's going on in my life that probably wasn't amazing. And it wasn't, it hurt. There were times that I failed, times I messed up, times that I screwed it up and felt ashamed of myself. I don't go to those. I use something to help me in a routine to get better. And that's where I think success comes, man. That's how it shows up. It doesn't just automatically come because you are out there. Success doesn't happen naturally. It happens intentionally. And everything's got to be intentional. Getting old is easier. Getting better takes a lot of work. And we got to do the work. That's a fact. Uh, love that. So, all right, man, we're going to start to, to wind down here. Your clock, though, in the background was freaking me out. Like, it was counting down. And luckily, it just got to zero and then started over because I thought, like, I was on a shot clock. I was like, oh, man, he's, it's gonna, this buzzer is going to go off. He's going to be right in the middle of the story. I thought you were going to do this thing, like, where you just walk off stage. Uh, like, you know, I was like, he's out. He's out. I'm going to be in the middle of my question. He's going to be out. So, um, yeah, when that hit zero, I, just so you know, I, I'm, I'm done. But because I care about you, I stayed. So we're going to finish this out. But yeah, that's, that back there reminds me of how valuable time is, by the way. I love that. Uh, so, okay. So I only, I have one more question that I want to ask you before we go. But before I ask you that question, so like, where can I get more Ronnie Doss? Because I know someone's listening to this uh, and is going, geez, maybe I should learn a little bit more. I should dig into this a little bit. 
Um, I, I know you do a lot of private speaking engagements, right, for yeah. different companies, but you also do some, uh, I guess, public, I don't what's the proper word for that, uh, public speaking events as well. And you've got some stuff online as well that you put together for coaching clients in the past, as well as people who just want like a daily uh, or weekly kind of chunk of a leadership lesson. So tell me, where can I get more Ronnie Doss and more of what you're teaching and learning yourself? Um, so we have a, a platform now where I started going and speaking at events like the, in LA, the event we just did right in Vegas. Uh, people, I did this event with Brian Tracy in Toronto years ago. It's so funny. And afterwards, people walked up to me and asked me if I'd start coaching them. And I was like, yes, because I had never been asked, right? Like I opened for Brian Tracy and it was he and I together at this event. And I'd never had people ask me that. So I was like, yes. And they're like, well, how much do you charge? And I was like, uh, we'll have to do an initial consultation because I had no idea. Like I didn't know. And so uh, I started getting asked to do a lot of coaching. And so now what I do is a lot of like Google Hangout uh, Zoom sessions with businesses or teams around the country. And I do those live. Um, and so what we started realizing was there was quite a bit of demand for me to do that, that we wanted to start creating videos and having things on a platform to where I didn't have to be in front of the computer or on an airplane going to be able to reach people. So about three years ago, we started creating all these different videos and these different um, programs that we offer. And we put them all on one platform. And so we have, I think it's close to 300 videos, three years, three and a half. Um, I'm not exactly sure how long we've been doing it, but hundreds of videos on motivation, hundreds of videos where I'm answering questions like, you know, you asking me, I've got, we've got one program in there that's on being a better speaker, presenter, how to build a good presentation, things that I learned from my mentor, mentors on speaking, uh, how to engage the room, how to ask the right questions, how to be grounded. That's called Power Presenter. That program's in there. We have one called the Fundamentals of Leadership that's in there. All these we put together. And when they were first combined, they were 300 and some dollars a month. And we are doing well with that. And then we realized that we haven't reached enough people on the internet of people that I've never been in front of in person. And so a marketing team said, put it all together, package it all together. We did. So we took this 300 and some dollars a month value thing. We dropped it now to 27 bucks a month. And immediately a person that subscribes to that gets access to all the hundreds of videos and the ones that we add every month. And so I add to each of the programs and we add those each month. So there's five programs in there. I think it's 4,000 and some dollars worth of, let's say, content. Uh, but you immediately have access for 27 bucks. And it's at RonnieDoss.net forward slash marketplace. So RonnieDoss.net forward slash marketplace. That's the video subscriptions. Uh, if a person just wants audio programs, the Lion program, our CD sets and all that stuff, that's at DossTeam.com. D-O-S-S-T-E-A-M. So um, the big thing is the video stuff. That's where there's so much information. So that was the, there's the sale of my, what I offer guys. So uh, do you need it? I don't know. Would it support you? Yeah. I've worked with enough people now to know that I think what we all need is somebody in our ear uh, consistently that really believes in what they're, they're talking about and believes in their content and know that it knows that it works. And that's what we've got here with our platforms. And so, yeah. How's that? How's that for a sale? Is that amazing? That's amazing. You're, you're a closer. Thank um, you. you know, it's funny that remind, I was on Facebook today. A friend of mine was in a class and he was talking about how great it was. I took a picture of the presenter and 
the, one of his friends commented, it was a real estate class. And it, one of his friends comments and said, Hey, you know, did you learn anything new? What did you learn new today? I've been to a class where I learned something new, in a, like forever. And my, my buddy wrote back, good point. And I just thought, I thought, yeah, because we don't, I'm not sure that we necessarily need to learn something new as much as we need to be reminded of things. Right. Um, and we do need to be reminded of things. Like sometimes we learn something new. Like that's not to say that there's nothing new to learn. You can, you can always learn something. But I think when it comes to our profession and what we do day in and day out, it's not really about learning something new. It's, it's really a lot more about being reminded about what we already know so we can continue to kind of get one notch better. You talked about the details, right? Really, the success is in the details, and it's, it's dialing in those things so we can keep going up a couple notches every day. Yeah, um, and the idea that any of us at any time uh, have arrived like I'm very, very clear in that when I speak and I do trainings is like, don't think that Ronnie Doss is saying he's arrived because I'll tell you, I think I've just started. Like, I mean it. Like I walk out of some places and I go, okay, what could be next? Like I'm just starting. And, you know, that to me is, we call it, you know, as you've heard the beginner's mind, you know, starting out with this white belt to go today, let me see what I can create and what, what could be possible. You, I believe it supports you when you have people in your ear reminding you to make each day the most of it and to take it on with, as I talked about in LA, that was the next step. The first step being denial, the next one, resistance, the next one, um, exploration. And I think when you have people in your mind that are reminding you to explore each day and to be open, uh, that's what helps us over time to wind up in a different destination. And it's not one and done, not one conference that's going to change you forever. You've got to take information and continue to assimilate it into your life and stay in a place of humility where I, I heard that humility is the willingness to let an old belief die. And so I have to allow an older belief of me to die. Anytime that I go, well, that's where I got to. That was it. I got to let that belief die. I go, no, this could be possible and keep believing for that. And that, when I mentor and work with all these people through my videos, that's, that's what I'm doing, bud. It's just helping people to keep in mind that there's a lot of possibility out there. And, you know, what they say in the expert's mind, there are few possibilities. In the beginner's mind, there are many. And every day, there's all these possibilities. And people, the response that people have had, we've had from the videos and our resources have been so good, man. And I'm also clear that a lot of times I'm, just sowing seed into people's lives and what they're going to do with it, they'll do with it. But uh, I believe in our, our what we're doing and, and our resources now uh, because of the, the feedback and the impact that people have shared with us that it's, it's had. So well, it's awesome, man. I know I'm a believer in, in what you're doing too. And so is Fred. And uh, now at least a, a few hundred more realtors uh, in the NLA uh, community who had the opportunity to hear you live last week. So um, thank you for doing that. Last question, that, and, and we'll, I'll let you get back, uh, get back to, to it, uh, is three pieces. What are, what are your top three pieces of advice, Ronnie, for just sort of kicking more ass in life? This, this is a question I stole from somebody who, who's helped me a lot. Uh, his name is Dave Asprey. He's got a podcast called Bulletproof Radio, and he asks all of his guests at the end, like, hey, what are the – what are the three pieces of advice you'd give to somebody if they just say, hey, I just want to kick more ass. 
in life? Yeah. Uh, number, I think first thing kicking ass is don't leave your family behind. So you can kick ass however you want. And when you're single and you're young and single, ready to mingle, I don't know, you know that's cool, but don't leave your family behind. Uh, there are people that you are closest to. And I heard it and, and I could give you all the people that I quote, I could go, this is where this came from. or this is what I read. I read all the time. I listen all the time, but I assimilate all the time. Like you can have all this great information, bud, and you don't assimilate it, it's useless, right? I think I said it in LA, information without assimilation is useless, right? And so uh, I think that assimilating it from the standpoint of making sure that you aren't leaving the people that you care most about behind because you have a program, a subconscious program running you that they will love you more if you only have one more dollar or some, because that's a program. And right. so it's like, well, but I'm doing this because I love you. It's like, okay, get off of that for a minute and realize that uh, if you create some balance uh, by looking at your life and you say, what's so important to me is the health of my family, uh, my marriage, the people that I'm close to, my relationships. That's, I think, first thing uh, to recognize is you don't want to leave your family behind. Kicking ass success, like you're saying, that's what I decided. For me, that doesn't have to be your lens, but you are asking me, uh, not leave family behind. I think the second thing you have to have is you have to have, uh, I think, many mentors because there are things that you will learn from some people that do certain things really well that other people may not do so well. I think one of the biggest problems is we wind up dismissing people because they don't have it all together in a certain area. And so we wind up dismissing some unbelievable resources that we have around us. And, and when we can go, I, I could use a mentor in that area, that somebody that's got some real fruit in their life as far as the, their physical health or their relationship or their, their marriage, how they are with their children. Uh, they produce great results financially, whatever. It's like, okay, pick that person and invest a little time with them. You know, you're not going to learn everything from any one person. And the moment you wind up putting one person up on a pedestal, they will fall off that pedestal and it will crush you. That's what we say. And that to me is I, I've kind of stretched it out to where I have lots of people that I draw from. And that I think that's wisdom. So, you know, don't leave your family behind. Uh, have multiple mentors. And then thirdly, I think know that you're worth the work. And when I say the work, I don't mean you're worth the work of closing the deals. I think you're worth the work of seeing what you can become as an incredible part of this human condition and this part of being a human being on this amazing planet in this incredible cosmos that we're a part of. You're worth the work. And sometimes the results don't look how you hope that they were, but that doesn't make you unworthy. You're worth the work of getting up every day and chipping at the stone again to see what you can create. You're worthy of it. And I, I just hope that anybody that ever hears me gets that idea because I, my family, my daughters, I don't know what they're going to become. I don't know where they're going to go. I know I have one job, and that is to create space for them to be as awesome as they choose to be, and that they're worthy of being awesome. And I have to own that for myself too. 
And I think when we do that and we know we're worth the work, we'll do it. And if a person doesn't think they're worth it and they have that conversation, you can't, and you start noticing that, you go, no, 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 I am. And you shift it, you shift that dialogue. And then we, that takes us right back to what we talked about in the beginning. And so you need mentors. I'd love to be one of them, uh, you know, whatever that looks like, right? You need mentors. Uh, you don't, you don't want to leave your family behind, but you got to know in all of it that you're phenomenal and that you're worth it. And you were put here on this planet for a reason. There's no coincidences and stuff. I'm not trying to be fairy fairy, uh, but there's no coincidences. Like you're listening to this, a person's listening to this. We're having this dialogue because it, it's supposed to happen. And when you get your worthy, you, you start pulling things out to go, yeah, how does this add to uh, the betterment of me and moving me forward so I can make a bigger difference? And that's what this is all about, man. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. All right, Ronnie Doss, I appreciate you, man. Where where can we catch up with you? Like, on are you on social media? I, I, yeah. I mean, I know I know that you are, but tell tell the listeners where you're at. Yeah, Facebook is Ronnie Doss official. That's the you know fan page that we're starting to use more and more. Uh, on Instagram, you know, Ronnie Doss, uh, Twitter, Ronnie Doss, all that. We're starting to use those more and more. Um, what's funny? Somebody asked me one time. They're like, "Man, you do this like." Uh, are you building your following well? And I said, some of the places that I go speak, people aren't on social media. A lot of the people that rocket scientists, I learned, don't do a lot of social media sometimes, right? Like I noticed that back then, you know, and so uh, we're starting to use that better. And so we're starting to build that more. But Ronnie Doss official Facebook, uh, Ronnie Doss Twitter, Ronnie Doss Instagram, all that, man. You know, we're I, there. I, I could just see you saying this, a rocket scientist. Hey, man, tweet, tweet, tweet me. At me. At me. <laughs> yeah. But it was like LinkedIn, we're on that, you know, but that was, uh, and I made that, but we have to truly be, you know, social media is phenomenal uh, and it's a wonderful mechanism, but we got to be careful too, you know, Kev, that we don't start out our day with our thumbs scrolling uh, before we get present and get grateful and all that. And, uh, you know, we all need to keep that in mind, but it's a wonderful platform and we love being on it now. And I love sharing stuff that we're doing, but that's where we're at. Awesome. So find him on social media, check out uh, RonnieDoss.net forward slash marketplace for the videos, uh, DossTeam.com for yeah. the uh, audio stuff. And, and they're all connected, but the, the platform for that discount VIP thing, 27 bucks a month is RonnieDoss.net forward slash marketplace. Fantastic. And I'll make sure we link to it here too. So Ronnie, I appreciate your time today, brother. Like, uh, like so much else guys. Um, Give Ronnie, if you even sort of like today, like you should probably check out some more stuff Ronnie does. Like he's got, first of all, he's got hours of jokes. Like they're good. Like the most of them are pretty funny. good jokes. They are. They are. They're not just jokes, pal. And I know because he's tried them out on me over the years. And, uh, and I let him know if they're funny or not. So I'm a harsh critic when it comes to jokes. You're a hard man. We all know that. You're, you're a harsh critic. But hey, that's how I've gotten better. Absolutely. Thank you for your harshness. <laughs> Any, hey man anything for you so alright guys until next week we appreciate you and uh, we'll talk to you soon Ryan Doss ladies and gentlemen check him out guys see you hey that's it for today thanks so much for your time really appreciate it if you found this valuable do us a favor please review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share this with your friends and for more great content check out kevinandfred.com that's kevinandfred.com we'll see you soon